0: This is Application Paranoia, episode two. Hello and welcome to Application Paranoia, a podcast about application security, DevSecOps and AppScan. Twice a month, we aim to bring you some technical insights, the sorted facts and the latest news from the world of HCL AppScan. Our underlying mission is to deliver continuous application security to the masses. I'm Colin Bell, and with me on the panel, I have my trusty colleagues, Rob Cuddy and Chris Dewar. So in in today's show, we're we're gonna cover a few things. So we're obviously gonna cover the little bit of AppScan news that we have, and there has been some new releases since we last year. So we'll talk a little bit about that, and hopefully, Chris, you can answer some of the questions about what's in that. You know, we we've got another guest today later on. We're gonna to talk to Matt Murphy and we're gonna to talk to him about code sweep, um, which is something we're very excited about. So hi Rob, how are you doing? Yeah, hey Colin, I'm doing great. Um things
1: here in Southern California are pretty awesome. So uh can't complain too much. It's been really
0: good. I've been doing some crazy things because um but I've been delivering newspapers to elderly to do it Succumbed myself to doing a run every single morning and thirty five days in a row at this stage, so i' I'm, I'm getting a bit yeah tired.
1: so no and that's that's awesome, I mean <laughs> it's really cool that you're doing that and, and have you been
0: doing anything interesting
1: um yeah i mean I've got uh, two you know uh, high school and college kids at home, so everybody gets a little bit stir crazy but yeah this is the so this last weekend i don't know if you're familiar with the uh the amazing race that series it was on for for a while you know, where people doing crazy tasks and missions around the world and stuff. well, I work with a bunch of junior hires and we got about two hundred of them together on uh virtually and just have them in their homes and we're using this uh app called Goose Chase and came up with about i don't know. 85 or so different missions that you could get points for. And she had kids doing crazy stuff all weekend, um, just fun little things like, you know, getting a bunch of flour and making a, a snow angel with it in your front yard or trying to do five cartwheels in a row or you saw there was kind of a viral video where people were bouncing ping pong balls off of a bunch of pots and stuff into a cup. You know, just fun little things like that, that that they could do and, you know, dress up in costumes, get their parents to do TikTok dances, all kinds of cool stuff. But it was really fun just watching, you know, kind of the hilarity and, and seeing people. Just doing crazy things at home, but but getting connected, and it uh, it turned out to be a really fun event uh, that went a whole lot better than we thought it was going to, and, and people just embraced it, so it was
0: pretty cool. That's brilliant. Yeah, I mean it's it's it's, it's, it's a great community spirit going around at the moment. Chris, how are, how are you doing? How's um Manch Vegas treating you?
2: <laughs> Manch Vegas is great. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it does bring to mind though. I have a fun fact for y'all. Our wonderful icon of New Hampshire is the Old Man of the Mountain. Um, very few people know, or maybe people do know, but it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and there was a there was a push to get it replaced with a fake uh, Man of the Mountain. So we we're very close to having a faux Man of the Mountain, which I think is pretty funny.
0: What is a Man of the Mountain?
2: Giant rock formation on the side of a mountain that just happened to exist. It
0: doesn't exist anymore.
2: No, nope, it fell. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yep. (laughs) So we were very close to having a faux man of the mountain, which I think would have been epic. I think it would have been
1: great if somebody saw it and they're like, man down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he actually has a, or it, I suppose,
2: it's a rock formation, has a memorial trail. A (laughs) whole man of the mountain, a rock has a burial. (laughs)
0: That's (laughs) That's outstanding. Before we go into anything else, I I have one other thing that I want to play for you. Just a piece of music that I want to play. See if you've heard this before. Do you know what this is? It's a bit faster in the middle. Any ideas what that is? <laughs> None whatsoever. <laughs> no. So that that is someone who has made music of the COVID-19 virus. Uh, uh. It's it's actually wow. the sound of music representing the anemo acid sequence structure through a spike protein. Um, it's it's <laughs> ah, yeah. like no. So I I was thinking, well, maybe we could make some sequel injection music or cross-script something to... that would just sound like ah.
1: <laughs> exactly. So then, yeah, I I had no idea amino acids were so talented.
0: So, Rob, just to follow on from last, in our last episode, you gave us some interesting statistics and things like that. Is there anything else that struck your notice this week that you can entertain us with?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's actually been a, a few, um, because everybody's in lockdown, right, there's been a few larger sort of virtual conferences that I've had a chance to be a part of. And, and one of them in particular was the uh, All Day DevOps Spring Break Edition, which, um, you know, was kind of a... A uh, shortened version of the normal sort of round-the-clock, 24-hour event that that all-day DevOps is uh, every year. But there was a guy in there in the, who goes by the handle of Sid Dragon, which I thought was pretty interesting. His name is Chris Roberts, and he just shared a couple of stats. But a couple of things that just really jumped out at me when he did that, that where I thought were a little bit shocking, was that we're still in the place where. You know, the mean time to recover from a data breach is is about 70 days or so. So, you know, once we've identified and realized we've got to do something, it's still taking several months for us to actually recover from that. But he also mentioned that we're losing, right, as a you know as a nation and stuff, we're losing about 22 and a half million records a day. So when you look at the state of breaches, you know, worldwide, that's a massive amount of information that's getting lost. Uh, every day, and that 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 one shocked me. So it was it was pretty uh, pretty amazing. And then um, you know, if you think that you're not uh, likely to get hit, uh, there's uh, about a 33% chance of people getting breached in the next 24 months, and the U.S. still happens to be the most popular target. So and I think one of the reasons for that is we just know applications are vulnerable. Right. So there's a recent study that came out by a guy named Jeff Williams, and it was entitled uh, Shifting Everywhere DevSecOps Gets Real. And one of the things he said in there was that uh, today, you know, applications still have over 25 serious custom code vulnerabilities. And then there's the other kind of libraries that we pull in from open source and stuff with known vulnerabilities. So it's it's a real problem. But, uh, you know, there's a lot out there that can be uh, taken advantage of if we're not careful.
0: It's it's funny because I I also picked up a statistic today that says that attacks happen or hacks happen every 39 seconds. So by the time we complete this podcast, they would have struck over 30 times. And one source even suggests that there's 3.8 million records of compromise so far in 2020, which is huge. Yeah. So so a lot of these studies are sort of overlapping a bit, but they're, they're sort of saying the same thing, really. You know, it's like it's...
1: Yeah. And the numbers, you know, always relate to kind of who they asked and the size of the the scope. But I think the points are all the same, that this is a real problem and you're more likely to get breached than not. So we need to do something about it.
0: In AppScan News, we're obviously, we're, we're still in the the realms of our, our version 10 release, which happened at the start of the month. With our Scan on Cloud product, we do some regular updates, and which had two, Chris, I guess, since we last spoke. We had one on April 15th, which wasn't very much, but there was also one on April 22nd. Can you give us a little bit of an insight on maybe what happened in that release and what, what sort of things have been happening?
2: Yeah, it's predominantly quality of life improvements, specifically around the report which now honors uh, fixed groups. And for those of you listening who don't know what a fixed group is, it's a fun little way to look at a bunch of static findings and find a commonality between them and treat them as symptoms instead of individual issues to hopefully give you enough context to understand how good, bad, or irrelevant this particular group of findings might be. That's a huge improvement for consuming these results outside of the cloud environment, passing them around inside your company or whatever it is folks do with the reports themselves. Of course, bug fixes and some new language support that we added. Um, for example, we do Scala and yeah, and React. We we'll, we will be pushing out soon.
0: So, so the the fix groups is that now in the UI, then in ASOC, is it? Oh yeah, it's uh right in the UI. It's the only
2: way I like to deal with findings. It makes it super fast and super easy to consume thousands of findings in a very short order, because it puts them all together. It's very easy to understand if this is perhaps applicable to my app and if it is exactly where I need to fix it. And if it's not, I can just
0: mark them all as noise and move on to my, uh, about my day. Excellent. Well, thanks for that, Chris. I mean, obviously, every two weeks we'll, we'll come back, but, you know, ASOC is one that, that gets updated fairly frequently, so and it's it's good to be able to let people know what, what's happening with that. So, also released and not part of version 10, we also have launched Suite. We're going to talk to Matt later on, or actually very soon, we'll be talking to Matt about that. but. What I found really interesting is that I looked this morning that there's already been 293 downloads of CodeSweep, and yet we haven't done, I don't believe we have, I don't know if you know Rob or Chris, but I don't think we've done any sort of formal advertising of this. So this is just word of mouth at this stage. So that's right. really reassuring, isn't it? Yeah, it's very
1: yeah. cool in, in that regard too, because it, it, you're right, it has all been through social media, right? The the only way I've seen it is on LinkedIn posts and people sharing. So yeah, it's, it's definitely something people are interested in. Hey, we just want people to build a secure
2: world and a safer world. This is one way to get there. So well, this week, it is my pleasure to introduce uh, somebody I've been working with for around 10 years now on the AppScan Source team, uh, Matthew Murphy, who is our lead architect for a variety of our initiatives, one where we're, which we're going to talk about today, uh, CodeSweep. So thank you for joining us, Matt.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: So tell us, uh, what is CodeSweep and why do I care?
3: So CodeSweep is kind of a new way of... Uh of approaching static analysis. So, you know, in the industry, there's this whole notion of sh- shifting left, you know, find the vulnerabilities in your code before that code ever makes it into your source code repository. So with CodeSuite, that's what, exactly what we try to do. It, it's an extension for VS Code that shows the developer potential security flaws in their code before they actually do the commit.
2: Let's expand on that just a little bit. What does that mean to to me as I'm as I'm typing, as I save before I do a git commit or whatever it is?
3: Sure. So, so one of the one of the um, goals with CodeSweep was to not be too intrusive to the developer. So while you're typing, there's nothing is, is going to happen. You won't you won't notice any any difference when you, while you're writing your code. Once you've saved a file, that's when behind the scenes CodeSweep kicks in and will actually analyze that file that you saved. And what you'll get is you'll you'll get um, another view within Visual Studio Code showing you any potential. Security vulnerabilities in that in just that one file that you that you modified. So the idea is, you as a developer, you've only changed that one file. You don't need to scan the entire repository. That's going to that's going to be done later on during a build or, or some some in some other automation system. You just want to make sure the code that you're changing doesn't introduce new flaws. So code sweep on save will will scan the files that you save and show you just the issues that are that are relevant to those files. So Matt. What-
0: what languages do, is CodeSweep supporting at the moment in this first release?
3: So it's got a number of uh, different languages it supports. Probably the most popular ones are uh, Python, JavaScript, GoLang, uh, but it supports other other languages as well, such as um, such as PHP, uh, Ruby, um, and, and, a, and a few others.
1: So Matt, it, you know, when you said a minute ago that this doesn't do anything when developers are typing, so yeah. Is it fair to, to call this like a spell checker or, you know, does it operate, you know, because people in the pay- space I've talked to, you know, are concerned about things like the old Microsoft Word Clippy type stuff, right? Things just popping up and alerting them with noise everywhere. So how does this differ from that?
3: Yeah, so th- that's exactly what we're trying to avoid is, you know, the whole Clippy experience. So, so it's different in the sense that the only notification you'll get within Visual Studio Code is, um down in the no- notification bar at the bottom, it on save, it'll tell you um, you'll, you'll, you'll see a um a line telling you how many vulnerabilities were found in, in, in the files that were just saved. And if you want to look at those vulnerabilities, you just click on the on that notification in the notification bar and it'll bring up the, the views. And there's a couple of different views that you can see. One will be the security issues view, which is going to point point out any any issues that were found. And clicking on the different issues will actually take you to that location in your source code. So you can so you can see exactly what we're talking about, and th- and there's no icons or anything like that that's um, you know getting in the way and muddying the waters there for the for the developer. We'll just take you to that line of code, along with the code navigation. There's also an icon you can click on to get more information about the flaw, and it's going to be specific information about exactly what code flaw that particular issue pertains to, and you'll see that that additional information in a split window next to your uh, code editor. The other the other view that you'll see. In Code sweep is the security rules view, and those the security rules are categorized by by language, so you'll see you know a category for Python for JavaScript for go and what that view allows you to do is enable and disable different rules. so if for some reason you don't want issues to be reported, you can disable those rules in that view.
1: that allows some level of customization then
3: correct and that customization also pertains to issues as well. so not only can you disable rules but you could also say after reviewing a particular issue, if you feel like that's not something that, you, that you're that you worried about, if you feel like for whatever reason, uh, you don't wanna deal with that issue, there's also a button next to the issue that you can say mark as noise. And now in the future, you, you won't be alerted to that, that issue.
0: So is, is there an overhead for developer for running sweep? Would they notice any difference in times or, or what's happening for them in their ID?
3: There's, there's really not. The analysis happens in, in a split second a developer really sh- won't notice any, any difference as far as uh, the behavior of Visual Studio code or, or performance or anything like that.
0: Is there some prerequisites that are needed to run this or does it just run with any Visual Studio?
3: The They do need to be at version uh, 138 or higher of Visual Studio code. And then the only other requirement is that they have a JRE on their system. And that can be Java 8 or, or newer. How much like, does this sucker cost? So that's the other good thing. CodeSweep's absolutely free. So. You can go to the Visual Studio Marketplace and you'll you'll find the extension there. And there's no no upfront cost, no setup. Just locate the extension, hit the install button, and you're you're off and running.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. So at the moment it's it's obviously limited to Visual Studio, and I assume that we're looking at expanding that to
3: the likes of Eclipse and other platforms. Would that be correct? Yeah, we'd like to move uh this technology into other popular IDEs like Eclipse.
0: So Matt, I'm curious
1: if You have multiple developers that are working on the same file sets and and making changes, you know, in their own IDEs. Does information from CodeSweep, is that available to each of them? Can they kind of see things each other are running into, or is it, you know, single developer, single project, that kind of
3: thing? So at this point, CodeSweep is single developer. So any rule changes or, or, excuse me, enabling and disabling of rules or ignoring particular issues. All of that is on a per system basis. So a given developer, if he makes those choices, it's not going to affect other developers. In the future, uh, we would like to add an integration with our cloud offering that would allow for developers to actually share that information. But at this point, that's not available.
1: Yeah, that's totally fine because I've yet to meet developers that like surprises. Hey, where do you, uh, where do you see this technology going in the short term?
3: So I could see this being used in a number of different places. So with Visual Studio Code, we've already got at the developer level, right? So before the user is even able to commit their code, they're getting a check, an upfront check to make sure there's no security issues. The next phase of the of the DevOps lifecycle would be to, you know, the the developer does their commit. Now they wanna they wanna get that code merged into their their SCM system. So I see that as being the next spot. Essentially, if you, you can imagine if you're using Git you open up a pull request, it would be nice for that pull request to then do a status check to to run a similar scan on those, on any of the source files that changed, so that the person responsible for doing the the review was now a second set of eyes on any potential security issues. And they can see those right in the pull request, make a determination as to whether or not they agree that those are or are not issues that should be addressed before the code is committed or merged. Cool.
2: So second stage in the whole pipeline
1: yeah i mean it sounds like a great way to give developers kind of that first sort of sanity check right that what they're going to commit um is at least got some level of security with it which is which is awesome right because that then that gives them a chance to deal with it right in context versus you know hearing about it hours later or even a day or two later and trying to remember you know what i was doing or how that was all configured man this sounds like a really
3: good thing. Exactly, that's that's the goal.
0: I'm sure people will be excited to get it, and they just need to
3: go to the Visual Studio. Right, right from the uh, Visual Studio Code IDE, they can go to the, the Visual Studio Code Marketplace. Our extension will show up right there.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Sure. Thank you. So, Thanks for listening to Application Paranoia with Chris, Rob, and myself. Special thanks to Matt providing insight to AppScan CodeSuite. So join us next time when we talk some more about the features of AppScan version 10 and specifically, I think next time we'll talk about IaaS. So thanks, gents. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.